You are listening to a multi-part teaching series on the gifts from God as it pertains to the body of Christ. These were recorded during our weekly Rescue Church Life Group meetings. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1 But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So this is really interesting because Paul is doing the thing that Jesus did when Philip uh, came to Jesus and he was like, hey, show us the way at the Last Supper. Um, Jesus said, hey, man, you know the way. And then Philip's like, I don't know the way. And Jesus was ultimately saying, hey, man, you're right here right now. You've been following the way. You know the way. And what that tells us is that there's things that you know spiritually that your soul hasn't caught up to. And so Paul is doing the same thing with the church here. He's saying concerning the times, which is Kronos and the seasons, which is Kairos brethren, you ha you have no need that I should write to you. In other words, spiritually, you know, times and seasons. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to touch this actually on Sunday a little bit more, but times, the word times is Kronos, which is where we get chronograph, which is watch time and the word seasons is kairos is when basically God visits time and space. It's a divine opportunity. And he says, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Now he's going to explain this. For when they say peace and safety, he's quoting Isaiah. And he's also quoting Jeremiah. Then suddenly destruction comes upon them. Now, he's going to explain that statement with a metaphor as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. And so he's speaking of the day of the Lord as a suddenly and he likens it to labor pains. For those of you who had babies or will have babies for the birthing people, for the women here, uh, you know that it's just come suddenly. And, and so he uses these metaphors um like a thief in the night like when you don't expect it and the suddenly of labor pains that comes upon a woman and they are not going to escape the next process you're going to have to uh, be a part of that fully completely all right but you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief in other words the day of the lord and the coming of the lord is not something that the people of god need to be afraid of so all these guys selling fear on YouTube and all these these places, the, the, it's it's not it's not it's ridiculous. Um, the day of the Lord is like is like Daddy coming home from work uh, for God's people. It, it's not this day where He's coming to terrorize and to chastise His own people. So if you're in Christ, then you know this is not something that you need to be afraid of. Okay. You are sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. He's not saying that you shouldn't get a good eight hours of sleep or seven hours or nine hours or whatever you need. What he's saying here is that we should not become uh, drunk and unaware. How do I know he's saying that? Verse seven, those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love 
and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So he's talking about not to be preoccupied or intoxicated, but to be sober-minded. When Paul speaks about the qualifications of deacons and bishops, they are not to be given to too much wine. They are not to be drunkards. They're not to be strikers. They're to be sober-minded, temperate, and self-controlled. Uh, that's that's a very, very important part of our journey. It's very easy to make unwise decisions when we are not in our right state of mind. You have a much better chance of cheating on your wife if you're drunk and snorting cocaine than if you're sober. So uh, there's just a bunch of things that drunkenness brings with it, and none of them are good. Okay, um, but he's not simply speaking of drunkenness like with liquor. He's talking also not just that, but he's also talking about being completely preoccupied and not being sober minded. And so being sober is not enough. In other words, that means not being drunk, but being sober minded is also being alert spiritually and aware. And then he talks about the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation or the expectation of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. This is really good news. Um, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's three three descriptions of him. Jesus is the person, fully God, fully man, born of Nazareth, born of Mary, but the seed came from God. The Lord means he's the curious, he's supreme. There is no one above him. And Christ means he's Israel's anointed Messiah. So he is the Savior and the Lord of the whole world. Because he is Israel's Messiah, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth, he came in the flesh, he's fully God and fully man. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is a, is a profound title, and each one of those words has significant meanings, and they are all descriptive of who he is and what he did. Okay, verse 10, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. It's like, it's really interesting because Paul is like, whether you live or die, it doesn't matter uh, because we're together with him. Now, you're going to see something in verse 10 that's very, very, very important. Um, Paul has allowed Jesus's language to transform his own language. Jesus many times spoke of death as sleep because for him, he's the resurrection and the life and death is not final. And so now Paul is referring to death as sleep because he has allowed Jesus to transform his mind. And when your mind is transformed, your mouth is transformed. And so now Paul is referring to death as sleep. One of the things I've learned from my pastor is that in the kingdom, things don't die. They go to sleep. And uh, anyway, so who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So this is a very important principle. Instead of me trying to use the day of the Lord, the end times, uh, oh my God, the world's going to end. Instead of me using that to sell books on fear, that should actually bring comfort to your heart that a just and good God is coming to make all things that are wrong right. And if you're in him and with him, you're on the right side of that equation. Which should be comforting, not terrifying. 
This is very important. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So this is important because the scripture teaches us that we should know those who labor among you. So that means that people should not be laboring among us if we do not know them. Anytime someone doesn't really want to be known, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Um, for example, let's say you want it, you're a Christian man and you want to go and marry another Christian girl, you know, a nice girl. Who knows that Christian man? Where is he from? Who knows him? Who can vouch for his character? Who can vouch for her character? Who is she? As soon as I started to like my wife, immediately, the first thing I did before I got any emotional entanglement. I picked up the phone and I made a character reference. Who is she, who is Sarah? What is she like? See, when when people don't want to be known, red flag. Red flag. Many times people want to do the work, do stuff, go on trips, do this, do that, but they don't want to be known and truly known for who they are and where they are. That's a red flag. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. This is important because people hear over you and they're like, oh, my God, like nobody's over me. I'm, I'm self-made. I'm self this. I'm, you know, but the, the whole purpose of being over someone is to come up under them and lift them. The purpose of strength in the kingdom is to lift and to edify the purpose of resources in the kingdom is to build bridges, not walls. So strength and wealth in the kingdom are used completely different than the way the world would use them. That's very important. And esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So the reason the scripture is saying to esteem a pastor, esteem a bishop highly is not so they feel good about themselves or they can work out you know, uh, childhood insecurities through titles. But it's to esteem them because of the work's sake. And so let's say you and I are doing a work together. If we have love and value for each other and honor for each other, the work will go forward faster because we're getting along well. You know, many times things can't get done because the people who are doing them can't get along right. Like, Let's say you're, you're wanting to clean your house, let's just say, but you're bickering back and forth with your wife. Every time you're trying to do something, you got to stop what you're doing because you're bickering versus you esteem and you value and you honor one another. And now you're, you have a common goal and you're treating people with honor and respect. And that accelerates the work because of how the workers are getting along. That's why strife dishonor um um all those things are very very detrimental to a family a church uh, a business that's not something that you want okay be at peace among yourselves again speaking of how we get along now we exhort you brethren warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak be patient with all. 
See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for you, yourselves, and for all. This is very important. In the kingdom of God, if we're doing a business deal, everyone has to win. It can't just benefit you or me. It has to benefit us. This is a very, very, very important principle ethically, uh, with economics, just in every single way. If we're doing something that is kingdom, it has to be good for us all. That's important. Um, the way the unruly are to be treated is there to be warned. The faint-hearted are to be comforted. The weaker to be upheld. But you'll need to be patient with everyone. <laughs> um, everyone does not get treated the same way all the time because they have to be treated based upon how they're acting. So you don't you don't comfort the unruly. You warn them. Um, one of the most common expressions of the love of God in the New Testament is God warning people that if you continue in this road, the end of that road is destruction. Many times people don't flesh out an idea and they don't think out an idea. They don't follow the idea through. And if they would think about where is this going to lead me, they wouldn't want to go there. So warning the unruly is important. Comforting the faint-hearted. Sometimes people are just weak and need to be upheld and comforted. But you'll have to be, again, patient with everybody. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. As Christians, we should be focused on the common good. This is important. Like when we're in the city of West New York, what are things that we can do for the common good of the city? When you think about the neighborhood in which you live in or your family, we, we need to be thinking of is what I'm doing good for us as a whole? Are the decisions that I'm making good for us as a whole, or are they only good for me? That's something that we also have to consider as we make decisions in our lives. Now, we've got all the way over here to 16, and this is what I really want to get into. Starting with 16, rejoice always. We can always rejoice because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When Paul wrote rejoice always, and again, I say rejoice, he wrote that from a jail cell. So until you understand that your joy is not circumstantial, is not situational, until you, if, if you don't really understand that, you have not really had the gospel transform your heart and mind. This is something that is very important. It's always a time to rejoice because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And his strength is not predicated on my situation. So I can be in the midst of a situation that sucks, but I can rejoice because I'm in him and he's my strength. Now that joy is the thing that fuels prayer without ceasing, verse 17. This is really, really important because praying without ceasing is not like, oh, like, let's say my wife tries to talk to me. I can't talk to you right now. I'm praying like that. that that's not what this is. Prayer without ceasing is an attitude of the heart that basically kind of like 
you 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 call God on the phone, you 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 make a phone call and you never hang up and you just kind of have the phone on speaker all day long with him there. And it's an awareness that he's there, that he cares, that he's listening, and that he wants to speak. So this joy, the joy of the Lord is the thing that fuels unceasing prayer. So I don't fuel, not my human strength. I don't fuel unceasing prayer. The joy of the Lord is the thing that fuels unceasing prayer. This is very important. Luke um, 18, men always ought to pray and, and, and not lose heart. And so what happens is if we lose heart, we stop praying. And if we stop praying, we lose heart. But if we have an understanding that our joy is not situational, it's not circumstantial, it's not based on if I had a good trip or a good pay week, it is based on his joy is my strength, that enables me and strengthens me to stay in contact and in communion with him. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says... In everything, give thanks. So there's things that happen that just suck. And we don't have to be thankful for things that suck. But we have to be thankful for him who is with us in the suck. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's really important. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many times what I've learned, I've learned this the hard way, which is how I've learned everything really. Um Many times when people pray, oh, God, I want your will, they're not actually praying for God's will. What they're actually praying for is his plans. So they are praying for an outward manifestation that is somehow going to help what is deficient inwardly. But the thing that's profound about for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, I can do this in a jail cell, on a missions trip, homeschooling. <laughs> I can do this um, on a beach day, on a work day, on a travel day, because rejoicing always and praying without ceasing and in everything giving thanks, that has nothing to do absolutely nothing to do with where I live, what I drive, what I have, how well things are going. That has nothing, nothing to do with any of that. So when you learn this, this right here, 16, 17, and 18, he's talking about creating an atmosphere that is conducive so the Holy Spirit coming, he's talking about creating an atmosphere for the supernatural. Watch in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. He just spoke to you in three verses on creating an atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit wants to come and be and flow. He wouldn't tell me not to quench the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit didn't want to flow. He's talking about creating an environment that is conducive to the flow and to the move of the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. What I've learned in my own life is many times we grieve the Holy Spirit by what we say and we quench him 
by what we refuse to do or what we refuse to say. Do not despise prophecy. Right after, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings revelation and nothing in the kingdom happens without declaration. This is why the connection of your mind and your mouth or your heart and your life is huge because rejoice always. It's the attitude of the heart. It's a strengthened and an empowered heart that wants to stay in contact and communion with the Lord, which creates an attitude of gratitude, which creates an environment in which the Holy Spirit can come. And when he comes, don't quench him, prophesy. Because nothing in the kingdom happens without declaration. This is a very, very important thing. You, you see in Daniel chapter 10, where the angel comes to Daniel and he says to Daniel, I have come for your words. Imagine, uh, let me just give you this. This is, a, you want to, this will scare everyone. Uh, imagine an angel shows up tonight, three in the morning, you're getting up to pee. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, I have came to enforce your words. What did you say yesterday? <laughs> You you wanna you you wanna you wanna see something uh you wanna hear something wild? Um you read through the Proverbs and you see what it says about the mouth, the lips, and the tongue. Mouth, lips, tongue. You you read the Proverbs and, and you look that up, that that'll 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 flip you out. Uh we're gonna have to do a sermon on that. And I'm going to have to start by confessing my sins or whatever. But um, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Now, if you've ever been to a prophetic conference, you know why he says don't despise prophecy. Because sometimes people, they give, you know, cheese doodle prophecies. And, and they're very generic. And they're not really much. And, and, you know, sometimes prophetic people are weird. And don't despise that. Don't despise it. Don't let someone's error or misrepresentation of the prophetic rob you from the true prophetic. One of the things the enemy does is he misrepresents a truth to people to rob people of the freedom that that truth provides. Many times you see this with prosperity. Maybe there's a guy on TV talking about money, 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 asking for money. And people go, oh, I don't want that prosperity stuff. But I mean, do you want to be broke? <laughs> it's like, so, so don't let... Don't let someone who has misrepresented something rob you from the beauty and the truth of what the truth actually says about what they may have misrepresented. That's the same here with do not despise prophecy, prophecies. Now, verse 21, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. We were talking yesterday about the technology that is out now the ai technology where someone could take um my voice and my face and my me and they could literally make um make me say things that i have never in my life said on full hd 4k video and only if you really know me would you know that this is artificial uh, intelligence. Th this is AI technology. This is not actually me. There is technology out now that is that good, and that's why I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to what I'm saying in a second. I have a friend of mine. He's a video editor. 
Uh, I was closer to the to him in, in years back. But one time he showed me a video. He was editing a video. There was a person in the video he didn't want in the video. He circled them and immediately removed them right out of the video. And he was able to remove and put people into the video. So I'm using that in the context of abstain from every form of evil because you could be grossly misrepresented and you want to run from the appearance of evil and you want to really use wisdom because I could take a picture of someone and I could misrepresent what is happening in that picture to people who may not know that person well enough to know that maybe someone is defiling their character. This happens many times with police officers where, you know, they show a police officer shoving someone to the ground, but they didn't show you the guy swinging a baseball bat at the police officer. And, and so this is something very important because you have to abstain from every form of evil because there is evil that will try to break up what you've been building in verse 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. That very the, the the very that verse 22 there is about protecting everything that is happening in verse 16 through 21. Even testing all things and holding fast to what's good, when prophecies come, they need to be tested. So testing the prophecy and abstaining from any form of evil is also how I steward what came from the environment that we created that was conducive to God showing up, him revealing stuff, us agreeing with him, speaking it out, that coming into manifestation. But now I have to protect and steward what God is doing by how I'm living. It's very easy to break with our character what we've built with our gifts. Many times that happens, all right? But verse 16, 17, and 18 here is really a key to creating a prophetic or a supernatural environment, an environment that is prophetic, where the Holy Spirit is coming, is speaking, is revealing, and is manifesting and flowing. All right, verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. It's not faithful, it's trustworthy. Who will also do it. The one who calls you will do it. He's trustworthy. God does not preserve what he doesn't sanctify and God doesn't sanctify something for him not to preserve it. Now you have here the order of God, which is spirit, soul, and body. The order of the world is body, soul, and spirit. If you don't establish a chain of command in your life, your soul and your body will be your master. Most, most people and most believers, the soul is the master. I don't feel like it. I'm not feeling it today. Instead of the spirit telling the soul how the soul is going to feel and how the soul is going to function and then bringing the body into obedience. That's one of the powers of fasting. Fasting is, is your spirit serving notice to your soul and body 
that you are not in charge. Fasting is when you say, I am more hungry for the Lord and for the kingdom than I am for bread. It's not something that you need to do all the time religiously. It's something that you do as the Holy Spirit leads you. If he leads you to do it all the time and in a way that is, you know, fine, then, then that's fine. But I'm not talking about making a religion out of fasting, but I'm I'm talking about there is something profound that happens when you when you have a chain of command in your life. For example, you have a problem with your phone. You go into the, the phone store and you say, I need, can I speak to the manager? In other words, you, you need to speak to someone who has authority and access to do something about what is wrong. That's why if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't create a chain of command in your life, you'll be all over the place to and fro based on feelings and, and, and all these other things instead of it being spirit, soul, and body, it's soul, body, and spirit. Now, if you go into the gym, you know, you go into the world, the world says body, soul, and spirit, body, soul, and spirit, body, soul, and spirit, but it's actually spirit, soul, and body. The kingdom is the opposite order of the world. The world is sensuality, sexuality, the body, curves, shapes, uh, you know, must fake muscles, like looking strong, not actually strong. It, it, the world is about fakeness. The kingdom is about essence. So this is something completely different because God wants to sanctify you completely, spirit, soul, and body, so that he would preserve you blameless at his coming, which means you don't have to be afraid of his coming. So all these people selling fear on the internet, YouTube, and Amazon, is it's ridiculous. And, and the enemy uses it to manipulate people and to control them. Fear, uh, the only thing that we should fear is the Lord. And we don't have to fear the Lord's coming because his coming is good. And we should actually be edified and comforted by knowing one day, a good God is coming to make everything that is wrong right. So, so that's that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. All right. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with social distancing. I'm sorry. It says a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Now, this is interesting. He's saying read it to all the holy brethren. It's very difficult to receive what the Lord has if you refuse to live a holy life. Getting in control of the body and the sexuality and the desires, that is a very, very important thing. It's part of your reasonable service, according to Romans 12. So the mind can't even begin to be renewed until you get in charge of the body. That's a very, very important thing. Um, and I, I know that it's, I know in our culture, we talk about trauma, pain, but the Bible talks actually more about sin. Uh, and so we, we might want to consider putting to death the deeds of the flesh that are sinful and destructive so that we could present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Here, being holy is essential to being able to receive 
what has actually been said. In Psalm 16, there's a verse that my son read to me today, but it basically says that those who, who hasten after another God will be filled with sorrow. And one of the things I've learned is that anytime you put other things before God, you are positioning yourself for unnecessary pain and sorrow. Okay? Now, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In other words, God's favor, God's empowering presence be with you to help walk out these truths. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.